Good day, everyone. Welcome to Van Chicagoland Stories, the podcast. I'm your host, P. Castanis, and today's date is October 17th, 2021. This is episode 68, season three. Um, I have a very interesting show coming up. Uh, there are four things that I will discuss that are featured in this program, but right, no- right now, uh, the show will go into a commercial break, and this program is brought to you by Betty Crocker Snack and Cake, and here's a commercial from 1977. Enjoy. Good things inside make it taste so great. Try Betty Crocker Snack and Cake for goodness sake. Taste the good things at faith in a Betty Crocker Snack and Cake. It's good things like these, and plenty of them, that make Betty Crocker Snack and Cake so delicious. And you just mix with water, bake, and serve in the same pan. Taste the good things that bake in a Betty Crocker Snack and Cake. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, I am back. I hope you enjoyed the commercial. Uh, a little trivia about this particular brand and the actor who was in the commercial. You can find that on YouTube. Uh, one of the kids featured in the commercial was at Adam Rich. He was an actor. He portrayed Nicholas Bradford on Eight is Enough. And that show ran from 1977 to 1981. And uh, also on the last episode of the show, was Ralph Macchio, and he played, uh, I forget, his, his name was Jeremy. He was a cousin of uh, Abby, which is Tom Bradford's second wife. And he joined the show, and uh, he was unknown. Nobody knew who he was until later on he got his big break as uh, in The Karate Kid, 1985, and it's a classic, 1980s classic. You know, I, I like the movie, but uh, I'm not obsessed with it. It's it's very good. But I like Pat Morita, who played Arnold in Happy Days. I, I loved him in that movie. He was wonderful. Wonderful. But he was a funny man. I mean, but he, he took a serious role, but uh, I can't help it. I thought he would do something goofy in the movie, but he didn't. So that was fine. Also, one other trivia in the show, that uh, the actress who portrayed the mother, uh, Joan Bradford, was Diana Highland, and at the time she was John Travolta's girlfriend, and she was a lot older than him. And she died in 1977. She only filmed four episodes, and the next season they uh, wrote in her death. And then uh, Tom Bradford, played by Dick Van Patten, married uh, Abby, played by Betty Buckley, and then she stayed for the days. And then they dated, and then they got married on the show, and they stayed until the end. And uh, Diana Highland died, like I said before, in 1977. And I think it was right around the time that John Travolta was working on his classic movies, Saturday Night Fever. And uh, 
So that that's kind of sad, you know, but so long ago, my goodness, you know, that's a very interesting story. Okay. I want to talk about a couple of things before we start the show. Yesterday, I went to Wizard World, a comic book convention in Rosemont uh, for the first time in in a couple of years. Uh, it, they did not have the show in 2020 due to the fact of the pandemic, and that was canceled. I went yesterday, and uh, it's a smaller venue, and... Uh, not many. Uh, they had the usual stuff: comic books. They sold uh, jewelry, uh, cards, all kinds of stuff. It's. I like going there. I've been going there for over twenty years. Uh, but like I said before, it was a small venue. Uh, but hopefully next year will be bigger once the pandemic is gone and everyone gets vaccinated. And uh, there were some celebrities there. I didn't talk to them, but I saw them afar. Like for example, Lou Ferrigno. Uh, Dean King, who played uh, Superman in The Adventures of Lois and Clark. William Shatner was there. And uh, I saw him far away, but uh, he's 90 years old, so he doesn't stay very long. Uh, but, you know, I wish I would meet him because he went into space a couple of days ago. God bless him. You know, and then when I saw that, I, came, I hear the Star Trek, Star Trek theme in my head. You know, that's amazing. So I had a good time. It was very nice. Uh, hopefully, we'll see about next year. Okay, and then one more thing. Uh, this past Friday was the 70th anniversary of I Love Lucy, and it's a uh, one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, Lucille Ball, I just love her. I can't get her out of mind. I'm just uh, the people who are fans of her are called Lucyphiles, I believe. So on Friday night, I. Pop in the Blu-ray DVD of the show, and I watched the first episode, which was uh, the the girls want to go to a nightclub. Uh, believe it or not, that is not the first episode film. That is the first episode that aired. The first episode that was filmed was episode four, called "Lucy Thinks That Ricky Is Going to Murder Her," and uh, you could by watching that show, you could tell it's a little. Uh, like they're getting their feet wet and uh, the way they filmed it, but it was still hilarious. It's still a funny show, but uh, I can understand that, that they pushed it back to the fourth episode, but uh, I watched that episode too and I compared it. So um, I've seen the show a zillion times ever since I was a kid. And uh, I don't have, uh, I don't have favorite episodes. Every episode is hilarious. You know, well, there's one that stands out that I like. I don't know if a lot of people like it. Um, it's one starring Elsa Lancaster, Lancaster, maybe her name, who played the Bride of Frankenstein. And uh, she was in the show, and Lucy and Ethel were headed to Florida. But uh, Lucy, being Lucy, lost the, misplaced the train tickets. So they looked in the, they looked in the ads in the paper, and uh, Wanted to share a ride, so they found somebody, and it was El- and it was uh, Elsa Lancaster, and they rode the car, and they uh, suspected she was an ex murderess and that escaped from the prison, and she wasn't. And that and it was hilarious. It was the funniest thing. On the way to uh, Florida, they got a flat tire. Lucy Ethel changed it, and but Lucy uh, put. The, the the flat tire instead of the new one and they started all over again <laughs> and then uh 
when they arrived to Florida, you know, uh, they stopped at the diner, and, but uh, the the other lady uh, just dumped them, and then she drove off, and then they had to hitch a ride on a chicken truck, uh, and then they arrived at Florida, which I thought it was funny, but there are other classic episodes I like, so that was fun, so uh, hope it lives uh, on forever. It's a great show. Okay, back to business. Uh, I will talk about four topics on this show. Uh, number one will be the Jewel Grand Bazaar grocery store. Second will be the John T. Shane clothing store. Number three will be about Kitty Town, the amusement park that was located in Norwich, Illinois. And the other, the last thing I will talk about is Officer Leonard Baldy. A lot of people don't remember him. They probably assume he's just an ordinary police officer, but he was famous for something. And I will explain that at the end of the program. Okay, first off, we're going to talk about uh, the Jewel Grand Bazaar. As you know, uh, Jewel Food Stores has been around in Chicago for many, many years. And But in 1973, they uh, did an experiment on a store. And they named it uh, the Jewel Grand Bazaar. And the first one was located at 54th Street and, and South Pulaski Road on the southwest side of Chicago. And uh, it was a 24-hour store. And they featured bulk packaging and free samples on the weekends, which they do now. It sounds like a Costco to me or Sam's Club like that. Uh, I never shopped those stores. And uh, because, well, first of all, I'm single. I think that's for families, you know, and they buy in bulk, and it's reasonable. Plus, you have to pay membership. So I just go to a regular store like Jewel or uh, Mariano's, but mostly Jewel I go. Um, anyway, so that was a very, that was very successful, and but it didn't last very long. And then uh, usually they, they had a Jewel and an Osco. It was always a combination. That's still true to this day. And uh, the second one, the second store that is that opened was in 1974, and that was at 87th West 87th Street in Chicago. That is the Chatham neighborhood uh, by the Dan Ryan Expressway. And in 1977, they opened a third one, which which was at the Brickyard Mall, which is at Diversity and Narragansett on the north on the north side. And the fourth location was in Franklin Park, Illinois. And uh, there was also one at uh, Grand Avenue and Costner on the Chicago West Side. And uh, I can't think of any any other location. I think that's it. And then uh, about the 1990s, that changed. And they went back to a regular Jewel grocery store. But they still carry on the traditional uh, bulk foods that lives on to this day. And uh, believe it or not, when... The Brickyard Mall uh, changed uh, around in the early 2000s. The Grand Bazaar store was demolished, and they replaced it with a small jewels grocery store. Interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I remember one. Oh, there was another one I remember. There was one on 95th and Pulaski, and that was in Oakland. And uh, I used to go to that one, and that was close we're in the 70s 80s where i lived in the southwest side of chicago 
And uh, my mother shopped there too. She she liked it there and because she was on her way to see her friend or other places. Uh, that jewel is still there. Now it's just a regular jewel store. Okay, but people still remember when it opened, where they worked, especially at that location at 54th Street in Pulaski. And they said it was wonderful. But uh, now grocery stores in Chicago or all over the country, uh, they have the same thing. So if, uh, for samples, you buy everything in bulk, you know. So that's a, that's an interesting part of Chicago history. And uh, I posted a, a photo of the location at 54th and Pulaski, uh, which is a night photo. And that uh, that's a beautiful photo of that. It's on my Facebook page on Van Chicago. And, okay. Next thing we'll talk about is um, about a store, <coughs> excuse me, called John T. Shang and Company. A lot of people don't remember this store, but if you shop downtown in the old days or lived there, um, it was a very uh, chic uh, clothing store for women. It was a it was a hatter, haberdasher, and furrier company, and uh, only for women's clothing. And it opened in November 6, 1884, by John Thomas Shane. And uh, let's see. And it first located at 187 South State Street in the Chicago Loop. Then it moved to 150 North Michigan, where it. And it was there until the store closed in 1979. And I found a, uh, you know, I didn't find much on the internet, any photos, but I did find a a hat, a woman's hat, and a hat box. And it had the logo of John T. Shea. And I thought it was pretty cool. So I posted it on my page. And uh, it was very, it's a uh, very chic. There were stores like that in downtown as well. They were similar. Like, for example, Evans Furrier, Furrier excuse me. Or a William A. Lewis, and also Bramson's, and uh, a lot of women's clothing. And then uh, later on, there was Rosalie, which my mother shopped. She loved that store. She misses it to this day. And there was another one called Allison's, and that opened at Fort City Mall and some other malls in the area. Uh, I can't think of other ones again on the top of my head. Oh, oh there was another one called Patters, spelled P-A-D-D-O-R. P-A-D-D-O-R, excuse me, with an S. So, um, so that's an interesting store to look at. Uh, I'm sure the clothes were beautiful, you know. And then, uh, so um, when you go to 150 North Michigan, uh, if you're over there, you can just visualize that store was there. That's very interesting. Okay. Next thing I will talk about is Kitty Town, uh, Kitty Town Amusement Park, that is. And uh, that amusement park opened, <coughs> excuse me, I've been coughing all day long, forgive me. That opened in the summer of 1953, and it was located where Harlem Irving uh, Shopping Center is, which people call it the Hip in Orange, Illinois. Um, the shopping center opened in 1955, 56, but, uh, the, believe it or not, the, the amusement park was still there and it was on the north side of the mall. And, uh, 
some of the rides they had, uh, they had the Tilt-A-Whirl, uh, Merry-Go-Round, uh, the Little Dipper, that was the um, the roller coaster over there that came, they installed that about three years, three years later in uh, 1956, they had the Whip, the boats, they had boats, the Sky Fighter, um, they had, and let's see, Mitchell Racer, hand cars, and uh, a tractor ride, and a five-car Ferris wheel, and a miniature train, which I'm going to get it. I'm going to talk about that in a second. And they had pony rides uh, there for the kids. And uh, the funny thing about that is uh, they also had a kitty train, like I mentioned before, and uh, you will go through a tunnel and a bridge. Sounds like a lot of fun. I wish I, I rode that. And uh, this was sponsored by the Bowman uh, Dairy Company and uh, in the 50s. So um, a lot of people remember that uh, milk company. The other one was Hawthorne Melody, which I'll probably discuss that in a future episode about those milk companies in Chicago. And uh, on the weekends where... If you reserve a birthday party for your child, they would have a small red fire engine and they would play its loud siren all over the neighborhood. And 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 some kid was going to have a birthday party and they're going to kitty land. And the first ride, of course, would be the fire truck. And there's pictures of that on the Internet. And it's kind of cool. They still do stuff like that. And... Uh, and they used to pick up the the fire truck. They used to pick up the kids at their homes and then take them to the amusement park, which was kind of so. Uh, whenever they never used the truck for the birthday parties, they used it for a ride, you know, when and not in use of that. So that's interesting. Um, then Kitty Town closed in 1964, and uh, they didn't say why. It's, it seems like the same reason for Riverview which closed in 1967. There was, revenues were down, uh, neighborhood got a little sketchy. Not true at Kitty, Kitty Town, but, uh, and they sold all the uh, rides, just like at Riverview. And then they replaced it uh, with other businesses. And uh, an interesting thing happened this week, which was, uh, there were, the Santa Fe trains at Kitty Town were found in a barn in Upper Michigan, uh, in the state of Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula. People call it the UP. And uh, this guy must have bought them when the the park was sold and closed. And uh, he kept them, and now they're in a in a museum called the American Farm Heritage Museum in Greenville, Illinois. Interesting, you know, so they had an article in the Chicago Tribune. If you happen to find it online or you have your paper, you could read it. And I read the article and it's very interesting. You know, a piece of Chicago history was found and it's been hidden all these years elsewhere. You know, she put the, uh, hopefully it'll be kept in a museum or like I said before, it's in Greenville. And I hope it's in, it will be in Chicago. So people will go see it. I would love that. And uh, inter- interesting thing about this, um, the roller coaster that was called the Little Dipper 
uh, that was in Kitty, Kitty Town. I had moved to Hillcrest Amusement Park in Lamont, Illinois. And uh, after that, I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know what they did with it after afterwards. So, you know, maybe I'll discuss that. Uh, uh, the amusement park that was located in Lamont. So I read, like I said before, I read the article about Kitty Town and it was very interesting. You know, I love when they find um, rides from from past amusement parks, like, for example, Riverview. Uh, like, I, like I said before, um, um, one previous episode, the, the carousel at Riverview Park is now at Six Flags in Georgia. So if you happen to be going to Georgia, you could go see it, which I intend to do that someday. <laughs> okay. Last thing I'm going to talk about is uh, police officer Leonard Baldy. Now, he, he's not a name you would recognize immediately, but a lot of people in the old days would because uh, he was somewhat a Chicago celebrity, a local celebrity. And uh, and he was the first helicopter traffic reporter. And uh, he worked for the Chicago Police Department. And uh, he used to be on the radio at WGN. I think he was on television, probably. I, I, I don't, I'm not sure, but mostly he was on WGN radio. And he gained fame when he was uh, riding his helicopter over that fire at Our Ladies of the Angels School that was located on the west side of Chicago. And uh, he would uh, they would show uh, footage of him flying over with his helicopter with his co-pilot and also heard on the radio. And he would describe uh, the fire and also... He provided traffic instructions so you would avoid the area. So, and uh, let's see. So, a funny thing, well, not a funny thing, excuse me. I mean, he died in May 2nd, 1960, when he was in his helicopter with, uh, with his co-pilot, and it crashed. And it crashed at, um, at the location of... Milwaukee Avenue and Hubbard Street. And uh, that was like a railroad yard at the time. And uh, it seemed, uh, let's see, i trying to remember. Oh, this is how it happened. His helicopter threw a rotor blade. So it probably came off and then he just crashed like that. They were both killed and it was very sad, you know, about that. And uh, after he died, they retired his uh, badge number, which was 1451. Uh, he went to Lane Tech uh, in high school, and uh, sir, and he was a World War II veteran, and uh, so he had his. Uh, so he he worked as a police department. Uh, police, excuse me. He worked as a police officer, and he also did this job. And then uh, a lot of people. So when I posted about him, I found him fascinating. I posted it on my uh, Facebook page, and a lot of people remembered him. Believe it or not, probably older people. <laughs> But I, I loved uh, reading about that stuff. And he had two sons. Uh, one of his sons became a radio personality. His name is Jack Elliott. And in about two, and in 2006, his other son, Tim Baldy, he published a biography called Chicago's Finest. Now, that's an interesting book. Maybe someday I'll buy it and read it. You know, that sounds fascinating. It really does. And uh, such a tragic thing happened. It really is tragic. 
And then uh, from what I understand, there were other um, local celebrities that did the same job as he did, and they died as well. So I don't know their names at the top of my head, but I'll do some more research, maybe discuss it in a future episode. So uh, Leonard Baldy was 33 years old, and uh, he only served at the police department's only about six and a half years. And his assignment was traffic division, of course, you know. So that's uh, so young to die, you know, and leaving and uh, leaving a family. Very sad. Okay. All right. Uh, that'll be all for today. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show. I discussed the Jewel Grand Bazaar. The John T. Shane clothing store, uh, Kitty Kitty Town uh, Music Park in Norwich, Illinois, and, office, and police officer Leonard Baldy. Uh, I will do another episode probably Tuesday. I'll find some subjects to discuss. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm getting the hang of it. Uh, one more thing. Um, somebody commented on one of my podcasts, I do a lot of ums and all that. I want to apologize. I'm very nervous, and it's a terrible, terrible habit I do. I, I'm trying to get better. It's not easy. I'm so nervous, even though there's nobody here with me. But I'm speaking to you and the rest of the audience. So I'll get the hang of it. Just please forgive me. I will do my best. Just be patient. You know, I'll do what I can. Okay. So this is uh, Pete Costanis, and this is episode 68, season three of Vanish Chicagoland Stories. Um, take care, everybody. And here is Ray Rayner saying bye-bye for now. So long, everybody. Bye-bye. We have to go. Bye-bye-bye. <laughs>